Let's pray together. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Lord, we want to lift your name on high. Lord, we want to thank you for the works you've done in our lives. Lord, we trust in your unfailing love. For you alone are God eternal throughout earth and heaven above. Heavenly Father, we're here to proclaim your name and to give glory to your name. Father, we give you all of our praises to you, God, this morning. God, take all the praise for yourself. Take all the glory and honor to your name. I pray now, God, as you transition to the message, I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts here, God, who are here sitting in the pews and for those who will be listening to this message, I pray, God, that you be pleased with our hearts and our worship to you, God. For, Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. God, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you our hearts, O Lord, for those who are here in this place. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son. Just cross them, I pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. All right. Let's all take our seats and let's take a moment to greet our neighbors at this time. I have a lot of good news for us later today. Uh, a lot of good things happening, especially towards the end of this year and the beginning of next year. I'm very excited for what's to come. Again, we are in our Adventist series. We're in our third week, and we're on the topic, on the phrase, this one. For this week, the title is called, He Waited for This One. He Waited for This One. We've been talking about God pursuing us, the pursuit of God. And now we're here to talk about God waiting for us, how He waits for us patiently, and how He loves us unconditionally. Amen? And I say that carefully because, again, we come to God with humility and with repentance. Yes, His love is unconditional, but at the same time, His wrath, the wrath of God, is real. Therefore, we need a mediator, Jesus Christ, to come on our behalf for us to receive the unconditional love of the Father, to have a relationship with Him. If you remember the first week, the first Advent, we were in Luke 15. We talked about the parable, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, how the individual goes and searches for the lost. But now we're here to talk about the prodigal son, how God waits for us. Again, the parable of the lost sheep is found in verse 1 through 7. And then the parable of the lost coin is 8 through 10. But here today, we're here to talk about verse 11 to 32, the parable of the lost son. Amen. Let's begin with the scripture. It's starting with verse 11. It says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. 
So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked them what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fan calf because he has him back safe and sound. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fan calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. The prodigal. So let's talk about, real quick, before we get to our points, the meaning of prodigal. Prodigal means wasteful. The wasteful son is a person that wastes things, money, with reckless spending. So a prodigal son is a wasteful individual. The context of Luke 15 here, found in verse 11 to 32. Jesus here, he is meeting the context in the Jesus musical that we saw. He's with the people, right? It's beautiful, and all these people are listening. But here, Jesus is in a meeting with sinners and text collectors. And it is within this context, Jesus shares the three parables. Again, the, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and now with the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal individual. It's in this topic, in this context, 
that when you are lost, that God not only goes and searches, but he also waits for the sinner. That Jesus, he desires to save that one, this one, this lost one, to recover the sinner. That Jesus receives sinners and that he loves the lost sinner. Just like the time when we're in the Philippines. And our goal was to play basketball with them and to minister with them. They were not even part of the church. They were actually not even part of the ministry that we were doing. They were on the sides playing at a different court, on the different side of the court. And then when we gave the message, we asked them to come. When we were sharing this message, Luke 15, and they came and they accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. So Jesus, he's talking to the lost sheep. He's talking to the lost sinner. Not only do I go and pursue the lost sheep, the lost sinner, as in verse 1 through 7, or not only do I go and pursue the lost coin, as it says in verse 8 through 10, but it's talking about that he also waits for the sinner, that he loves and he longs for the lost sinner to come back home. That's the context. He's talking to the sinners and to the tax collectors. So what happened in the story is a situation of two brothers. The youngest son, he could not wait for his inheritance. And in Jewish society, in that context, they had laws on how the inheritance should be divided. The oldest would receive a double portion. So for example, the youngest would get a third, and then the oldest would get two-thirds, he would get the double, 60%, or whatever you want to say. Whatever percentage you get, the oldest, the elder gets the double portion. Who here is the oldest and only? Whoo! Yay! Oh, Andy's the only one. Yeah, me! <laughs> Tony, yeah, me! But Tony's only. <laughs> Just joking. The older would get the double portion, double the blessing. And in the story, there are two brothers, two sons. And in verse 11 to 12, it says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Think about the audacity of this young individual to ask for his portion. The youngest, he demands, Father, give me my share of the property, it says in verse 12. Even expecting to receive it when your father is dead. Even writing up a will, getting ready for one of our parents to pass away is strange. We should not be normal. We should not be excited to get the inheritance. We should not want that. But for him to ask the father for the inheritance when he's still alive, the audacity for him to ask is ludicrous. So you can understand that this young individual, he's not in a right state of mind. Think about it. In this context, if that was me, if I was a father, I would have given a smackdown. But the father, he goes and he divided up his property and he gave it to the youngest. The youngest is asking to receive his share now while the father is still alive. Who in their right mind will ask the father for their inheritance while the father is still alive to make this kind of request? Nobody. Even in today's context. 
as open as it is, as more liberal it is in this day and age, especially back in the day, the context, it would have it been, I mean, it's still messed up. It still doesn't change the fact that it was disrespectful. He goes ahead and he asks for his inheritance. How much more shocking this would have been a long time ago in the context of Luke 15. Again, their culture is very similar to us. You know, for Asian Americans who are more conservative, you know, we're respectful to our elders, to our parents. And this is something that you do not do. You, you do not do. To paraphrase, he was saying, Dad, give me the money, my portion now, because I don't want to wait for you to die. I want it now while you're still alive. The audacity for him to ask. So that is what happened in Luke 15, in this story of the prodigal son. So going to our points, starting with point number one, the father's heart. Let's take a look how the father reacts, the father's reaction to his youngest son's crazy request. I have two sub points here, letter A. He allows us to wonder. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, He allows you to wonder. Verse 12 through 16 says this, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Again, the disrespect, the audacity of this spoiled young boy to request his share of his inheritance, to wander off on his own, to go off on his own. The father says, yes. He allows it. He allows this to happen. And I think that's kind of crazy. This shows how patient the heart of our God is. How patient he is with us. Even when we are so selfish in our intentions and in our actions, he is patient with us. God allows us to make our own choices and decisions out of respect for the freedom that God has given us, the freedom, just as the freedom he gave to Adam and Eve, as he gave to the people, these individuals in the scriptures. He gives us the freedom to choose the action, the decisions that we make. God will allow us to make our decisions. Even if it means messing up with the assurance that his children will repent and turn around and come back home. That is the Father's heart. He allows us the freedom to choose him. He allows us to wonder. Going back to the scripture in Job series, it says in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 8 through 12, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does 
Job feared God for nothing, Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. He allows us to wander. He allows us to wander on our own. He allows Satan to attack and to distract us. He will allow us to make our own decisions. He allows Satan here in the context of Job. He allows Satan to do what he does to attack. God allows us to live in the free will of our decisions. Why? Because of love. Only in freedom only in wandering can we truly learn to love God on our own. You cannot force love. You cannot force someone to love you like a robot. Love is a choice of the free will. is of the heart. He allows us to wander, to live in freedom, to wander, to learn on our own many times, at times. I want to show you a clip. I hear you too, Mama. You're right there. <laughs> yeah, yes, I am. 
Why are you crying, Mama? Because I'm happy. There comes a time where as parents, uh, they must let their children go. And there's a saying in Richard Bach in the 70s, an author, he wrote, If you love somebody, set them free. If it returns, it's yours. If it doesn't, it wasn't. And they must let that individual, that child, to make their own decisions. Parents cannot fight your battles for you. Why did you go to church? Maybe your parents brought you to church. But it is not their job to keep you in the church. But there comes a time where we hit an age where we must make that decision on our own, to go to church on our own, to make that decision, to have a relationship with God. Parents can pray. Parents can support with support by praying. They can support you spiritually. They may support you financially, but they cannot support you forever. There comes a time where you will stand before God just between you and Him. Just because your parents went to church, just because they're in heaven, doesn't mean that we have that same access to get to heaven, to eternity with God. He allows us to wonder, the freedom to wonder, to learn on our own, to learn from our mistakes, to repent and to turn back to Him. God, He loves us so much. He loves you so much that he has given you the free will, the free choice to choose him today or to reject him. God's love is indeed deep, mysterious, and it's beautiful. It's real, it's genuine. We cannot even begin to fathom how great and deep the love of God is. We haven't even begun to understand the full, the grass of the love of God, the unconditional love of the Father. In the Westminster Confession of Faith, it says this, the most wise, righteous, and gracious God, he does oftentimes leave us for a season, his own children to manifold temptation and the corruption of their own hearts so that they may repent from their former sins or to discover Unto them the hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts, that they may be humbled and to raise them to a, a snore, close and constant dependence for their support upon himself, and to make them more watchful against all future occasions of sin, and for sun-dry other just and holy ends. He leaves us. He allows us to wander on our own so that we can turn back to the Father. So again, he allows us to wonder. Let it be. He allows us to choose. A choice to choose. A decision that you must make to come back to him. Verse 17 to 24, it says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and send on his feet, bring the fan calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Verse 32. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The son on his own after squandering after a life of rebellion He decided on his own in verse 20. He got up, it says. He got up and he went to his father. Before that, he realized that even his servants, his father's higher servants, have more food to spare. But here I am, starving to death. I guarantee you, for those who walk away, who fall into the world, they will come back stronger. Because they will realize that there is no love like the love of God. No love that can compare to the relationship that you have with God. That's why some of the strongest Christians are not those who are high all the time. Perfect, perfect record like the older brother. Actually, the older brother was the one that was not in, the, in line with the father's heart. He was the one that was bitter. He was complaining. He didn't even kill even a little goat for me, for me and my friends. And we see that that's the heart of the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. But we understand the heart of God is that the son of mine was dead and is alive. And he is found. That's the heart of God. He allows us to choose him, to turn back to him. Again, point number one, the Father's heart. He allows us to wonder. He allows us to choose. Amen. Point number two, the child's heart, the wasteful son. Let's talk about him. Let's look at verse 13. Not long after that, The younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country. Again, we see in this text that this is a Gentile region, away from his Jewish upbringing, from the people that he's familiar with, from the customs that he's familiar with, from the culture that he's familiar with. We understand it is a Gentile, a foreign region. Why? Again, he is hired to take care of the pigs and he's among the pigs. Jews do not associate with pigs. So we see here that the child's heart, he desired to run away for a long time, to go to a foreign area. He did not want to grow up in the faith, in the same faith of the father and his family from his upbringing. 
He wanted to run away to a Gentile region, to a foreign area, so that he can live loosely, so that he can be away from his people. He did not want to be kept. He thought his father was keeping him, but in fact, the father loved him the most. But darkness was in his heart, and he believed in the lie that was in his heart. Therefore, he wanted to run away and to live freely. He wanted to live wild, wildly and loosely. But as he left, we see that he realized that he had nothing and that nothing can compare to the love of God. He wanted to, in a sense, he wanted to leave his faith. For example, wanting to be out from the church. Why? The question is, why? So he can go and do and live in debauchery and wickedness with the money that he took from his inheritance. It wasn't even his money. And we see that eventually all the money ran out. And the reality of his foolish living took full control and it brought upon him true and real consequences. It says in verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in the, he has spent everything he had in a sinful lifestyle, a lifestyle of no discipline, a loose lifestyle that took everything that he had. And we, the lesson that we learn here is never trust in your riches. Never trust in your degrees. Never trust in anything in the economy or anything but God himself. We see here in verse 15 to 16. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. The disgrace, the son, he thought, would be freedom as he took the money from his father and went off to this Gentile region. He thought it would be freedom. He thought it would be blessing. What the son thought would be fulfilling in his life, he realized that he was more lost than ever before. He became so hungry to the point where he ate not human food, but the food that the pigs were eating disgrace that he must have felt and how much he must have missed his father that was the son's heart the child's heart that in the lowest of lows remember his father that even his higher servants have food to spare and the treatment of the servants at his father's house was treated infinitely better than the way that I was being treated here in this foreign place. You know, a lot of times when people fall away from their faith or they walk away from church, it may be a blessing in disguise because only when you taste death, only when you taste a life away from God, can you truly appreciate the unconditional love of the Father. So if you know anyone right now or if you have a sibling or a friend who have walked away from their faith, especially this generation right now, especially we see it with this pandemic, everything, church is not even the first thing. It's not even on their list. We must pray, and we must pray that they will turn back and repent and turn back to the Father. But they must wake up on their own. They must realize on their own. I've experienced this on my own, where I went off on my own. I was rebellious to God. I went off on my own, and I lived the way that I wanted. And how lost I got to the point where 
I would just be sitting late at night on the computer, like this secular song, but it's talking about God, and this one artist wrote a song about God, and and then I was so far away and lost at a young age, and like tears started to drop. Like I wanted to turn back to God, but I didn't know how. I felt like I was so lost. I was so far away from Him. How can God ever receive me? How can God ever love me? And when I found God again at the age of 17, my life was never the same. How can I ever let go of Him? I could be in my 40s, in my 50s, or in my 60s, or I could die tomorrow. But He is the one thing, one individual that I will never let go, for He is my everything. There is no love that can compare to the love of the Father. And we see here in verse 17 to 20 that he had that moment. It says in 17, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, he's repenting. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. So he got up, went to his father. Everything is different now. He's no longer the proud individual, the arrogant individual, the spoiled individual. He is humiliated. He is broken. He's not going back so that I can be one of the son, the favorite. But maybe he'll hire me as a higher servant. So he got up. And went to his father. Point number three. The father's response. How does he respond to us when we turn to him? The lesson we can learn from the father. At the basketball court, I think I had a $20 bill that day. And I didn't care. I crinkled it and I threw it. It didn't matter to me. Uh, but here I have a dollar in my pocket. doesn't matter. It could be a $100 bill, and I've used this analogy before. No matter what you do to it, no matter how much you crinkle it or you, know, you put it in the laundry, uh, you've done that before where you found money in your pocket, and you're like, ooh, yay. And you celebrate, you start dancing. No matter what you do to it, it still doesn't change the value of the money. Yes? And a lot of times the devil, and it has nothing to do with what you feel about yourself. A lot of times the devil, he tries to tell us that our value is none. That you have no value anymore. It's like that show. One of my favorite shows is... Love it or list it, and then they come and they renovate. And there are shows where they come and they buy this property and they buy it for cheap uh, through a bid, and then they they renovate it and they sell it. And they the, 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 sometimes the houses they're boarded up. You don't you can't see what's inside, and it's it's a mess. And sometimes you're getting a nightmare, or sometimes you're getting a blessing with like couches and all these things. But you never know what you get. But it's like that show HGTV. God makes new, and He restores and brings value to what once was worthless. And God, he brings us back in the market and he tells us our worth. 
And you must realize your worth. You must not lose your value. You must not forget who you are and whose you are. Verse 20, it says, But while he was a long way off, again, he wanted to be higher as what? As a higher servant. Maybe my father will take me back. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son thought, I no longer worthy. I will become like one of your higher servants. But the truth is, and we see it here in the response of the father. The father did not see the son as a higher servant. He never did, nor he ever will. The father, he saw the son as his son. The father will not treat the son as a higher servant. The son, despite what he has done, no matter what he has done, how far he has gone, is still the father's son. The father gives a son, it says, he gives him a robe, a shoe, a feast, a celebration. Verse 21, 24. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fan calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate, rejoicing and dancing. And the question is, why? The answer is found in verse 24. For the son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Can we read that together? Ready? One, two, three. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. This is how God reacts when his children return to him. He rejoices. He brings back, reminds us our worth. Know your worth. Leading up to our last point, point four. The child's response. And this is very important. The lesson that we can learn from the wasteful son. This really depends on you. On how you respond to God. You guys with me? Last point? Yes? Okay. Dan, you with me? You keep eyeing this, this thing right here. This dollar. I don't know. <laughs> then you want it. Leave it right there for you. The child's response. Let's take a look at verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. Now I'm repeating a lot of these scriptures because this is a scripture I want you to memorize and to know in your heart. Where is it found? Luke 15. Good. No one else can make this decision for you. No one. Do not misuse your freedom. Make wise choices. Yes, your sins are forgiven. But we must pursue Christ every day. Just because you made a decision to follow Christ years ago does not mean you get to go on cruise control now. It's a decision and a choice and a fight that you must make every single day. Today is a new day. And you must make that decision to follow him now. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you did last year with missions. Are you following him now? 
Are you making that deliberate choice and decision to pursue God every single day? Where are you today? And I beg you from my experience, do not let go. Do not run away from God. Do not commit the sin of apostasy. Do not walk away from your faith. Hold on to your faith no matter what. It is the most important thing. It is the greatest thing that we can ever have as an individual, as a Christian. The lesson that we can learn from this parable, I mean, just imagine the heartbreak, the heartache uh, that this son, this individual that he faced when he misused his freedom and the freedom to choose and the freedom that he had with his dad just like us, do we misuse and do we abuse the freedom that we have in God? And when we do, we face a lot of heartbreaks and heartaches. And we have to understand that, again, we are free. You're free indeed. You're free to make your own choices. You're free to do what you want to do. But the question is, what do you do with the freedom that has been given to you? Do you Live however you want. Are you pursuing your own selfish gains? Or in your freedom, are you choosing to choose God, to pursue what God has in store for you? Paul tells the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 10.23, You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial, meaning to build up, and to edify. You're free to do what you want, but not everything is beneficial for your life. We must be wise in the decisions, in the choices that we make. Choose Him today. Choose Him. I want to end it with this, and I'm closing right after this passage. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. And I want us to close our eyes at this time as I go ahead and read this scripture. This Proverbs tells us, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You can make many plans But the Lord's purpose will prevail. Many are the plans in the mind of a person, of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And in closing, I want to invite us right now, I want to invite a church to come and repent before God. That when we repent and we turn to Him in humility, God withholds His wrath against us. It says in Psalm 51 that a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, God will not reject, God will not despise. That when we repent of our sins and we turn to Him with humility, it's promised in Isaiah 43 that He will blot out our transgressions, that for His own sake, that he will remember, 
He chooses to remember our sins no more. When we repent, just like the story of the father in the story, God, He receives us. He runs after us. He celebrates with joy. So here today, no matter how far you feel that you have fallen away from God, God is right there waiting for you. And when He sees you coming, He runs after you. And when you are filled with disappointments, failures, and everything wrong, I want you to remember that God is right there and His loving arms are open to welcome us back home. God desires all to be saved, but that decision is up to you. You're responsible for your own life and the decisions that you make today. So what will you choose at this moment? Will you choose to run back to your father? Will you stay in your rebellion? Will you run away and stay in your rebellion, lost in your own ways? Or will you trust in him and run back to the father? Can we at this time, as we're closing the service, can we pray to God and make that declaration, make that commitment, repent, repent of your sins, and turn back to him run to him for he is waiting for you for he is listening to you let us pray together reject, oh God, the blood of Christ, the cross, the blood that was shed for me. Second Peter 3.9 tells us he is patient with you, 
not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So God, as we're here today on this new day, on the 13th of December, God, it's not about how I repented yesterday or last week or last year, but God, I choose today, right now, on this day that you have given us to hear your word, I choose today to repent of my sins and to turn from my wicked ways and to run to you, O God. I make that declaration, I make that choice, and I make that decision. No one else will make that decision for me. I'm not being forced to make this decision. I'm not being coerced to make this decision. But God, I choose today with humility, God, I choose today to go on my knees broken and with a contrite heart. God, I run to you. I crawl to you. God, come and restore this dead bone, this dead life. Restore life back into my soul and into my spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Touch us once again. Restore us, oh God, to have a life-giving spirit, to have a life that is grateful for the life and for the salvation that we have in Christ. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. Your precious Son, Jesus Christ, name I pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen.